It's good. So good. Hope we had a good day. I know I just so enjoyed last night. And Tara, thank you for sharing the word. And just incredible. Incredible to see God just uh, um, displayed through you. And it's amazing. And I'm excited to where it's going to go. And um, Yari, thank you. Thank you for sharing the word. I was going to share some verses, but you covered every verse in the Bible, so I don't think there's any left. Thank you. And uh, we're privileged to have you as part of this community. And um, we're privileged to have each of you part of this. And uh, I just sense um, everything I'm going to share, we're going we're gonna to kind of just kind of go with what God's doing tonight. And I just... Um, Everything I'm going to share tonight in a bit is going to share some stories, um, is going to aim at allowing the Holy Spirit just charge this atmosphere in a greater way to encounter Him tonight. And um, I'm going to share some personal stuff, but some stories of just God moving. And uh, Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And as I share past things that God has done, it's going to be a revelation um, and what he wants to do as well. It's going to illuminate what he wants to do. As I share some stories of what faith will enter the room and our hearts in a greater way, that's my prayer, that's our heart. We can put encounter up on the screen. We can call it encounter. We can um, do all those things, but if we don't encounter, <laughs> it's just another fancy slogan. And I, I'm, I, I'm okay with not having more fancy slogans, but actually encountering him more. There's more tonight. There's more of his presence in this place. There's more of God for each one of us. And um, the tangible presence of God, Isaiah, Isaiah 6.1 says, the train filled the temple. <laughs> I always think, I'm like, wow, that's a big train. Where's the caboose, you know? The whole train, like CN Rail, filled the temple. Like, you know, all the cars. But... What that means is in, in, in that day is the king, every time he would defeat another king, they would take the defeated king's part of his robe, they'd cut off a piece, and they would sew it to the end of the king that defeated the other king, his robe, so his robe would increase. So to have a robe that, that would actually, the train that would fill the whole temple, that's incredible because you've defeated a lot of enemies. And so, but God is so great. <laughs> his train, his... His robe fills the temple and beyond. The greatness of our God. And show me your glory, Moses prayed. You know, God's glory. I just believe he wants to reveal his glory tonight in this place. I've had a taste, but I, I want more. And um, I just sensed before we go on and before I share any other stories and all of this stuff, I just I want to welcome his presence in this place. And um, just put your hands in front of you. Oh, God, we just welcome your presence. We welcome your goodness. You're good. And we just, we break off fear right now. Anxiety. Anxiety of what you could do. Anxiety of that we're feeling in a room. We just break off tiredness right now. Just come against any distraction in this room right now. The things of our life that we're thinking about. The things that we brought in here with. The things, just all that stuff. We just lay at your feet right now. everything that's not of you to leave now in the name of Jesus and we just we welcome you Holy Spirit just begin to welcome and just say God I just welcome you welcome and focus on him not on not on you but just on him Jesus we welcome you you're so good oh 
You're such a good father. Start to just declare things. Just in, maybe you don't feel it. Just in faith, just declare it, what the word says. Be still and know that I am God. Perfect love casts out all fear. God, we thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. And that your perfect love, and you're in this room right now. That your train fills a temple. That the glory of God, we just welcome it in greater measure right now. Sometimes we have an agenda and we, we, we kind of, okay, well, we're going to get through the service. I'm going to do this. And I'm so busy thinking of what's next. I don't, I don't actually enjoy what he wants to do right now. And he just wants to do stuff right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you in all your glory. We welcome you in all your splendor. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. okay, what are we doing now? Just like push through. He's here. Thank you, Lord. night I shared a word about fear and I said there, there's some people here and you feel a fear and there's like a pain in your chest a pressure elevated heart rate it's something in your chest and um, a few people came to me last night multiple people and said I think you're speaking about me and um, each one of them wanted prayer and I didn't pray for them and I, I actually at first I was like okay I got other stuff to do we'll, we'll pray tomorrow but I actually felt the Lord speak to me this afternoon about it and I just I sense there's even more people that you maybe never even talked to me but there was that there's a pressure and even you felt it in worship tonight we're singing about no longer slaves but you feel this pressure you feel anxiety you feel whatever you're just like there's stuff and there's just fear and there's stuff maybe there's other stuff where you just need to get right with God you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and he's convicting and he's saying hey I want you to just I want you to clean that stuff up I just want to I want you to come my child I just I just oh forgiveness to come and I want life to come and and there's just some pain that needs to be let go and so I'm just gonna ask that if that's if that's you and you feel um, in a moment I'm gonna ask you to do something really brave because it's easy to be like okay I want to get rid of fear but there's something that like fear wants you to not respond right now it wants you to just stay seated stay quiet and not do anything about it 
So to combat fear and to say, no, actually perfect love is in this place. <laughs> There's no fear. And to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you feel that, if you want to be set free of that, if you're like, I just feel this pressure, and, I, and, and maybe it's like, you know what, I just need to get right with God. Whatever it is, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But just stand up. If that's you, if you're like, no, I just I need to do that right now. And I'm not going to let fear hold me back anymore. I'm just going to stand. Yeah, just stand up and just, just start to just give it to him. Just surrender it to him. Just it's you and him. The Father just wants to just take it right now. He's breaking the muzzle that's been put on you. He's breaking the thing that's been, that's been strapping you down. He's, he's just breaking chains. Right now, there's freedom in this place. You're struggling with a sin that no one knows about. You've not told anyone. Right now, there's freedom in this place. Just stand and receive your freedom. Just stand up. Just don't, don't go on without just saying, God, I need, to, I need to get right with you. I need to be in right standing with you tonight. Yeah, yeah. God, we thank you that you unravel us with a melody. You surround us with a song of deliverance from our enemies till all our fears are gone. God, I thank you that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we're children of God that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we are children of God. I and each one in this place are a child of God. From the mother's womb, you've chosen each of us. That love has called our names, that we've been born again into your family, and that your blood, Jesus, flows through our very veins right now. I thank you that we're no longer slaves to fear. I thank you that we're children of God. I thank you that we're no longer slaves to fear. You split the sea so we could walk right through it. Our fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued us and we'll stand and sing. We are a child of you. So right now, if, if you stood and you're just... I just want you to just to confess that fear. Just give it to the Lord. Say, this is what I'm fearful of. And start to just, just whatever it is, that just go, this is it. And God's going to even reveal and just start to have this conversation with the Lord. And deep, deep inner healing is going to happen right now where you're just going to start to let go. Name those fears. Name them out. Name those sins. Name them out to Him. Say, I, God, I take this from me. Take this. And just start to do an inventory of your heart right now. fear of rejection, fear of fit, whatever fear it is, just start to list them and Holy Spirit's going to even reveal ones you didn't even know were there. going to pray, but I just, there's an emptying that has to happen. Jesus. 
Maybe you didn't stand and you're like, I should have stood. You can still stand. Just stand. If God's speaking to you, even as we're doing, just stand. If God speaks to you anytime during this message tonight, just stand up and get right with God. It doesn't matter. Who cares who's around you? No longer about fear. You're a child of God. And He just calls you home. He calls you to be totally set free. So if that's you, just stand. Just, just do what you need to do with the Lord. Now the Lord wants to even just reveal to you even some of those roots of the pain. Some of those things where, where the root of these things started. And you're going to even, I just sense the Lord's going to take you and you see some pictures. And some of you will just get this sense. And you'll remember a memory. You'll remember where the pain started. You'll remember that point of inception of this pain, of this fear, of this sin. Whatever that root is, I just sense the Lord's going to reveal it right now. And He's going to take you to that place. sense that that God's taken you to a memory to a place to a root you just know it just raise your hand if that's you you're like God's revealing you some things okay we'll just wait a little longer tomorrow when that happens to you when all of a sudden you see something just just or whatever get a thought just put your hand up it may be like why am I thinking of that just begin to ask the Lord why did this just come to mind I haven't thought about that for years that's the Lord got that place and I just start to ask Jesus what's the truth what's the truth what are you saying what what happened there and what's the truth what's what was the lie and what's the truth Jesus what are you saying start to ask him that truth and you just kind of go okay there yeah wow now I just want you to just give that to the Lord and say God I just I give you that that route to you I give you that that moment that that circumstance that thing and I maybe you need to ask for forgiveness and maybe you need to uh, forgive somebody maybe there's somebody that did wrong to you and you gotta go oh I just forgive that person right now and just start to release them and as you release them it actually releases you and it's not saying what they did was right, but it's actually releasing that they owe you something. That, 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 yeah, you just start to release them. And Holy Spirit's here to help you do that. In August, I was at camp in Manitoba, and a 14-year-old girl was able to release. She did not think she would ever even think about this, but the Lord revealed that the person that raped her, she's like, I could never forgive. And in a moment, in a service just like this, I just led this Mass, and she was able to forgive the guy that raped her. And she came and shared, and she was shaking because she couldn't believe that she was able to do that because the Holy Spirit empowered her and was there and revealed the truth and the lie was broken and freedom came to her. 
So right now, no matter what it is, how big, how crazy, whatever, God's right revealing truth right now and setting free the very root of some of these fears and pressure that we're feeling. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts tonight. I just, I thank you that your word says perfect love casts out all fear. So right now in this place, we just cast out all fear because your perfect love is here. Your love is here. We just break every fear, every pressure, every insecurity, every anxiety, every worry, every stress, every sickness, every disease, every pestilence that's come against. In Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ that died for each one of us. God, I thank you that because of that we can forgive. Because of that we can be free and we can see others walk in freedom. God, so I thank you right now for your work on the cross. I thank you that it's not just something far off or something in history, but it's a reality and an encounter for us right now. And that the cross right now is an encounter where we can be forgiven, where we can be set free. We can be healed of every emotional pain of every heart pain, deep pain that even no one knows about. We just ask right now, and we receive that healing right now. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd fill each person right now afresh. Wherever there was pain, wherever there was things, God, we just pray right now in that space, in that spot, your Holy Spirit would come and just start to fill start to fill with overflowing each person in this place those sitting and those standing god that you would just start to fill right now supernaturally god we can't explain it we don't understand it but we receive it it's beyond our logic it's beyond our thinking but it's good and god we receive it because hmm. you're good you're so good yeah, and just, just start to receive it now. Just start to receive. Some of you are going to sense His love coming in. Some of you are going to sense a joy come upon you, a joy that you've not had before because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's not joy you've got to manufacture up because then that's, that's your personality. But the joy of the Lord is actually a gift. It comes from Him. So no matter if you're just a, a person that maybe, maybe you're just a normal person and you're not that funny, it doesn't really matter because it's not his, it's not your joy that comes, it's his joy. His joy comes. That's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. It's his joy, it's a gift. So God, we just pray right now, joy. Joy would come. Jump with joy, Jesus' name. Just joy. Just joy. Yeah. Where there's been mourning, when there's been sadness, joy. <laughs> yeah. Jesus.
this posture of what God's done and I just sense God's just really how many of you just you feel like it's just lifted there's been that pressure's lifted off of you just raise your hand and you just feel like like it just there's been a release yeah yeah So God, for each person in this place. Yeah, he's just going to keep working to some. Some you're just going to continue to sense. Some he's actually showing other things and other other lies and other roots that he wants to heal. And, and he's just going to do that. And so I'm just going to invite everyone to just have a seat. And but, but if you're like speaking with the Lord, if he's working, just close your eyes and just begin to just, just stay there. Stay in that spot. Stay, stay with what he's saying to you. Um, as I'm sharing, he may just start to overwhelm you. You may start to feel the presence of God. Just go there. Go there with him. Go into a vision. Go into an encounter. It's okay. That's what we're here for. Drown me out and just make sure you hear his voice. So God, we just, we thank you. We thank you right now you're in the room. We don't just sing about you. We don't just read about you, but you're in the room. We thank you that you want to encounter each one of us tonight. I'm just going to share some things, and, and we're just going to kind of keep going, and, and I just, um, you know, I was reflecting on this thought of, have you ever driven somewhere that you've driven, maybe you've saw something, and you're like, um, was that always there, or is this like, like, you've driven by the same place many times, and then you notice something, you're like, I never saw that before, it's like, was that always there, and um, I was driving this summer through a town, Mundare. And um, I've driven through that town many times going to the lake. And as I drove through that town, I noticed this new school. Um, and I'm like, there's a new school here. I'm like, that's crazy. And then I'm like, oh, that must have just came up. And then I look at the sign, started in 2015 or 20, no, 2014. And I'm like, that's been going for two years. And I've driven by this road, and I probably have seen the construction. And, and then I look to the left, and I see a whole street. I've driven through that town. I've never seen that there's stores down that street. I've just never seen it. And I'm like, that's crazy. I've driven through this, and I've never seen it. And um, yet I passed the same place many times. And um, the reality is many of us in the room, the majority of us, um, we've heard many sermons. We've heard, we've been to a lot of church services. We've heard a lot of podcasts. We've read a lot of books. We've, we've probably read most of the major stories in the Bible. We, we, you know, we know David and Goliath. We know... Um, most of the stories, we've probably heard them preach multiple, multiple times and angles and, you know, every kind of thing, you know, for the most part. And um, we've attended conferences, we've attended resurgence, you know, we, we, we've seen all these things. And, and, um, but my cry tonight is that we'd have a revelation. 
and that we would a light would illuminate and that we would see something we haven't seen before and it would transform us. Um, you know, we've read the same passages, we re- we've read the same sermons, but there's something that would just come alive tonight. And I just sense God wants to show us things and, and, and pass by us tonight. Um, and that we'd encounter. You know, uh, Tara talked about Moses um, in Exodus 3 in the desert. And um, God, would you just give us a burning bush like that? <laughs> but sometimes we miss the fact and Tara highlighted on this, it was Moses' choice. And he says, I'll go over and see, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't burn up. The curiosity. He had a curiosity. He could have just walked by the bush. He could have just actually just kept on going. But for some reason, for some, uh, some crazy reason, he decided that day he was going to turn and look. And, and um. Many rabbis comment on this, and they actually, in studying the scripture, they, they, have, they said that the passage pointing to the burning bush, in fact, um, that the bush had always been on fire, is what they believe. That the bush had always been on fire before Moses recognized it. It wasn't like Moses looked at the bush and it lit up. It was, it was on fire, and then he goes, oh, I'll go over and see it. It was already on fire. See, it wasn't what he saw with his eyes, something new God was doing. It was that he perceived. He had a revelation of what God was doing all along. Something God had been doing already. See, it makes me wonder how many times on a daily basis, it makes me wonder how many times we walk by um, the burning bush, unaware, unaware of the divine encounter that's available to us, unaware of the moment that we could have with God, the moment that we could have. Theologian Richard Newber says, the greatest Christian revolutions come not by the discovery of something that was not known before. They happen when somebody takes radically to something that was already there. See, you may have read the same verse many times, and you read it again, and revelation hits you, and you have an encounter with the Lord. It's just, it's just something about it. And... Um, the word undeniable, you know, an undeniable encounter with the Lord. I, I want to share, the first time I heard the word undeniable in a sense of a church setting, I was actually at a camp. Um, I can't recall, it's multiple camps, but I actually think it was this camp. And uh, it was in the conference room 300, and I've shared this story before, but we had that song, We Are Hungry On. And we were a youth group, and we were here for a summer camp, and our youth pastor was leading, uh, and it was just a time we were doing the youth services. And I just remember, I remember we would just wait on the Lord, and we were just like, we are hungry, we are hungry, and we just cried that out. And I remember before the prayer, uh, our youth pastor, he said, I'm just believing tonight, and he said this a few times, but I'm believing tonight for an undeniable encounter with the Lord, an undeniable, and I I, since that time, have used that word a lot when I pray, every time before a service. <laughs> I, I love to use that word. Because the stuff that we began to see in those camps, and I remember we went to one in the Okanagan, and um, we, were in, we were in the side room, and we were praying, and we are saying, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move in an undeniable encounter tonight. That we would have an undeniable encounter and an undeniable means you can't deny that it was God, that you can't question, oh, well, 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 that was just our hype, that was just good feelings, that was just like undeniable where you cannot deny the Lord moved in the place. 
And I remember I was uh, 20 years old. I was working for an um, electrical lighting company in the summer. I took my holidays uh, to go and go to camps and minister. That was my summer holidays. And I was in my first year of university studying engineering. And, and I remember I couldn't come. My boss wouldn't let me away for the first couple days. So I had to fly into this camp. And so it was in... Um, it was, I think, just outside of Penticton. And it was, so I flew into, uh, flew into Kelowna. My friends picked me up. We stopped at four peach stands. Had lots of peaches. Those are good. And um, millions. millions of peaches. And um, we, we got to the camp, and I was doing sound at the camp. I was not doing anything but sound. I was in the back doing sound. That's what I did. Um, I've never, never preached. I never, and I, and I remember just in the service, we're going, okay, God, move in an undeniable way. And that night, you know, there's 200 kids at this youth camp. And um, we just started to, my friend started to call out things, said, I just sense, he leaned into God, he took courage, he started to go, I sense the Holy Spirit's moving in a way, and, and that you're in this place, and you, there's darkness in your life, there's things that are not of God, and I just, we just command him to manifest right now. He just called it out. And he had never done this before, he saw this on a video from a guy from Argentina that did this, Carlos Andacania. And he said he would call out demonic stuff, and he's like, I just feel i got to do this tonight. So he asked the camp pastor, hey, can I do this? And he's like, okay, I've never seen this before. That's crazy. So in a camp of 200, he starts to say, right now, if there's any darkness in you, just, just right now in the name of Jesus, just come forward. All of a sudden, there's kids slithering like snakes on the ground. Like, I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. There was kids starting to get agitated. At one moment, a kid jumps up on the stage during worship, this is one of the nights, and starts like dancing like not, not good dancing, very provocatively. And actually, the worship team just stopped. My friend dragged him off the stage, and it was because it, it was a show of him. It was like a pride thing. And it just like, okay, no, we're not going to do that. And we started the worship up again. And, and just like, like stuff was just happening in this room. And, and because God was just there in such his presence, the, the, the demonic and the things that weren't of God start to just bubble forth. And um, so this happened. And, and I remember, you know, we took about 55 students. We took them into the cafeteria as my friend preached. And my, myself and some other friends who were 16, 17, 18, um, Pastor Kevin and Aaron Machado were there. There was just a bunch of us. We were young. We didn't know what we were doing, and I was probably the oldest. And um, we actually just ended up doing, like, sozo, inner healing. Hey, do you have sin in your life? What's happening? What's the lie? What's the da-da-da? God wants to set you free. Confession would happen. People would confess the craziest stuff. We would pray. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would come, fill them. Joy would come. Some of them would be filled with the Spirit instantly and start speaking in tongues. Like, it's just, boom, God was there. And then we'd send them back into the service and, and the next person and it wasn't like we never had any Bible college training. We, my, our pastor taught us, but we, weren't, we, we didn't have a degree. We didn't have all that stuff. We just, we just were trusting Jesus to reveal things. And he would give us words. Oh, are you struggling with this? Whoa, how did you know that? You know, and it just started to happen. So people come into the service. There was one, there was two, two cases where we, they were not getting set free. They were just kind of doing stuff and slithering and, and just not good. So we're like, okay, hey, we're going to go into the nursery. And we just begin to pray over them. And some of them, it took like two hours. 
and we're praying. And this one girl, I remember we're praying over this girl. And, and, and finally, my friend who was 16 had a word for her. And all of a sudden, she, it unlocked something. And she like, freedom just came right there. And you could just tell. You could tell her countenance. You could tell joy came. And, and she's, she, she didn't know really. She was really new to church, really new to God. And um, you could just see breakthrough. And so we're like, hey, what happened to you is really good. We just, you know, we just want to... Um, we just want to ask that, like, like, the Holy Spirit would fill you. She goes, okay. So, boom, pray. All of a sudden, da, 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 da. she's just speaking in tongues, just going for it right there instantly. No teaching, no, like, okay, this is what, just boom, Holy Spirit, boom. And, um, and then we're like, my friend goes, hey, because, like, I just want to say that what happened to you is really good. God's so good, and I want you to just pray for me. And she goes, well, I don't really know how to pray. Like, I honestly don't know how to pray. And we're like, you don't know how to pray? Like it's, and she goes, no, I've never really prayed. And so we're like, well, just speak what comes to your mind. Speak, just ask God to show you. And all of a sudden, uh, she's like, I just see you. I see you. And, and my friend is standing up. He's six foot two. She's small. I see the bald spot on your head. Like, God can see you. And all the stuff that you couldn't see in a natural. It's like, oh, my goodness. And then she starts to go across. She's like, I'm standing in a stadium. I'm standing. And she starts going into a full open vision, open trance, open whatever you call it. It was incredible. And then she started to go across the room and prophesy, speak things she did not know in the natural, things that there's no way she could have known over every single person in that room. And I think back to every one of those things, and almost every one of those has taken place. And others are still happening in Jesus' name. But every one of those things. And it was like, that was remarkable. And we're like, okay, so hey, like, how old are you? She goes, I'm 14. Like, it was like, you're 14? Like, like it's, it's sometimes we like disqualify ourselves because of our age. God, God can do with anyone, anywhere. Anytime. And uh, I just remember those encounters. And I remember on the last night of that camp, I remember coming and sitting in the front row where Bennett is, right there. God was moving. People were getting healed. Backs were getting aligned. Stuff was happening. This other guy, he got set free in a huge way. He was, um, I'll share this actually. This is a crazy story. Um, so, uh, so he was, he was, we just couldn't, couldn't get set free, didn't know what was happening. And so my friend Trev, he's there and he's just like, ah, oh, like we're just two hours go by and we're praying, but it's just freedom's not coming. He's not coming. And uh, my friend just, Trev, he goes, I just, he starts to think, God just put this thought. And sometimes God just puts thoughts in our mind. We're like, is that you, God? Is that, and God put the thought of what the offering amount the last day was. And it was $182. Or, or 18, no, it was 1820. It was $18.20. It's a youth camp. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and so he goes, you know, I don't know why. I just keep thinking of 182. What does 182 mean to you? He goes, 182, Blink 182, my favorite band, man. It's amazing. I'm like, okay. So what do they sing about? Oh, yeah, no, not, not good things. Okay. Okay. Like, what do you mean not good things? He goes, no, not, not good things. And, um, and so what came out is he started to explain some of the things that, and I, and I knew of the band, I mean, I, didn't, I knew some of the songs on the radio, but I didn't know of some of their other songs. Some of their other songs about having sex with different relatives, having sex with animals. And uh, he started to talk about, and all of a sudden God revealed he was involved in bestiality with different animals. 
And, and he would never in a million years share that with anyone. But the Holy Spirit revealed that. And he was able to get set free and confess the things that, that were. And that was, that was many years ago. And it's like God, God set him free right there because a word of knowledge came. And he encountered the Lord. And, and he was able to be set free. And, then, and, and I, just, I just remember sitting on the front row and, and um, I just said, God, I, I want to watch this for the rest of my life. I, I just want to be on the front row and watch what you want to do. Because it was so mind-blowing to see God move, to see people encounter him, to see God of the universe, the God we read about in this book, isn't just words on a page, but it's actually an encounter, it's actually life, it actually happens, and it can happen through us. And it, was, it blew my mind. And I remember just praying that prayer, and I had no desire to ever preach, ever do anything else. I could not do worship, that wasn't my desire. I mean, I'm just going to do sound, sit in the front row and watch this for the rest of my life. And that's where I really experienced the call. That's, that's my call. And, um, and I remember that so clearly. And, and you know, um, and God continued to work. I remember at this camp, out, out back, there was a girl. She was young. Maybe she was 13 or 14. And she began to flip like a fish on the ground, like, like actually head flipping, like flipping. And just there was, there was stuff at work that was not good. And it was just wasn't God. And, and so we kind of like, she kind of stood up and she's moving. And so uh, four of us, four guys, kind of, not, without kind of like touching her, we just kind of like stood there. And, and, and she, we kind of like said, hey, it would be really good to like come out back because she was like disturbing the whole crowd. And so she kind of came out the back door. And as she stood there, two, two guys, my, uh, two of my friends were standing there. I'm standing there. And she just pushed and this is a like tiny girl. She pushed me and I went flying and fell on the ground. My friend who's like 200 and some pounds, he went flying too. The power that was at work was not her power. It, she could not do that. And then she kicked so high, she kicked my friend who's 6'3 right in the jaw. And he said, okay, that's enough. And he said, in the name of Jesus, we just take authority. And, and we just place an angel right at your feet and at your head. And all of a sudden, she's pinned to the ground, and she can't move. And then God just began to work on her heart, and she got totally set free. And she's like, I can't move. I can't get off the ground. And when the work was done, she was able to get off the ground. Like, she was pinned. Like, I watched her trying to, like, there was nothing there. I'm like, you're pinned to the ground. You can't, you can't do anything. Like, it, it was incredible. That's how God works. And um, how, how do I encounter the Lord? You know, I was sharing with Aaron and Tara last night. And they said, you need to share this. And, and sometimes we like, maybe you're in this place. And I loved what Yari shared this morning. I loved what Tara shared about her encounters. And, you know, we're all made different. And um, uh, I remember when I, when I asked Jesus into my life, uh, it was pretty basic. I didn't have this glorious light come from heaven the spotlight on me. It was just a simple prayer. I remember when I was in the prayer room of my church and I said, they're like, oh, do you want to be filled to overflowing Acts 2 and have the Holy Spirit and have a prayer language? And I'm like, I'm in. I want whatever God has for me. And I remember kneeling on those really hard chairs. Like, they're just so hard. And I'm kneeling there and, and a, you know, a brother comes in his suit and he's like, you know, an older elder in the church and he's praying for me and he's speaking in this weird language and I'm just like 
okay, I don't even know what you're saying. I don't know what's going to happen. And, and I had teaching, but I still was like, what is this? Like, I don't even know. And, I, and I'm like, is it me? Is it him? Like, does it just come? Does it, do, do I just, like, zip my mouth shut and then, like, it comes over my mouth? Like, I was just trying to figure this out. I'm a logical, analytical person. And, and for me, it just came that I just, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, there is this weird thing. I can speak it out, but I'm, I'm not very good. It sounds weird, and I, I don't know if that's me or if that's God or if it's me trying to be. I, I was so, like, trying to figure it out. And he's like, no, just speak it out. And I'm like, really? This is it? Like, this is what I'm, am I, am I, I don't want to make a mistake. <laughs> like, I didn't want to make a mistake. I just want to do it right. And, but, but God's so good. And he just gives us that prayer language. And, and that night, I spoke, but... It wasn't this, like, I never saw Jesus come up to me, and, and I, I would love that, but he never did. It just was, like, by faith. It was like Yari. Like, just, it just came, and this is what the Word says, and I'm actually just going to walk in what the Word says. And, um, and, and as, as time's gone on, I've heard God's voice. At times, uh, there's been God's voice that sometimes seems so audible. I don't know if it was audible, because I, I actually can't tell you, but there was one time I was at the lake, and God said, the sun is rising in your life. He woke me up at four in the morning, and I stood and watched the sunrise, and he spoke that word, and it was so audible. I could tell you it was, I don't know. I don't know if it was audible or if it was me, but it, I heard it, and I've never forgot it. It echoed in the caverns of my soul so loud that I just knew it was the Lord. And, um, but there's other times that, you know, I, I just hear this voice. And I'm like, in hearing God's voice, you're like, hey, is that me? Is that the pizza? It, like, honestly. And is that just my own intuition? Is that what I think? How would I... And, and, I, and I really struggled with this. I struggled this with a long time. I struggle um, at times with this still where I'm just like, okay, God, like I want to hear your voice. And at times a thought will come to me. And right away my mind, my intellectual mind starts to like, well, where'd you get, like, that's you. And, and, I, and, I, and I began, I just realized that you need to just begin to practice, begin to take risks. And there's times that I've heard a voice and I've just gone for it. And it's been... Maybe my own voice, maybe I heard it wrong. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I want to err on the side of just going for it. Err on the side of just like, God, if, if it's even close to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And, um, and I begin to, you begin to learn through that what his voice sounds like. But there are many times I've prayed for people, I've had incredible words for people, but I have felt zero, nothing, no goosebumps, no anything. I'll pray for someone and they'll be shaking, they'll have goosebumps, they'll feel love all over them, um, but I'll feel nothing. And that's just, for me, that's just how God has worked. And sometimes it's a sense. Last night in worship, I'll share this if it's okay, um, and I was just, I was here after Tara preached and I just said, okay. I just had this sense. I didn't see. I didn't feel anything. I just had this sense. Jesus is in the room and he's walking right now through the room. And I, and I sensed. I said, okay. I sense this. I don't see it. I don't, I don't know why I'm thinking this. This is not my, it just came out of nowhere. And I said, okay, Jesus, where are you going? He said, I'm going and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visit. I'm, gonna, I'm in front of Aaron. So I look over to Aaron. Aaron's like his hands. I'm like, okay. You know what? Like, I don't see anything. No, I'm just going to go with this because this is, what, this is what I sense. So I went to Aaron and I said, I just see Jesus is standing in front of you. 
That's it. That's all I had. I didn't know what was happening to him. I didn't interrupt. Didn't want to interrupt what God was doing. And um, and he began. God began to do some stuff with. He didn't see Jesus, but stuff was happening in his heart. He doesn't even totally understand what was going on, but he just sensed to look up, and then he almost like fell over, and, and just God was doing stuff in his heart. And it's like sometimes we might not sense it. We may not have this glorious picture, but we just have to actually walk it in faith. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. See, God knows how to speak to me the way that makes it not about me or my mind and my greatness, but his. See, Jesus inside of me, it'll look like Jesus in me, not... Um, not Jesus in you. Because he knows how he made me. He knows exactly. He knows how to, to speak to me in a way that I'll know that it's him. And not my own stuff. And he knows how to speak to Tara in a way that is identical. That, that would speak to her. Because he knows Tara. He's made each one of us. And we need to break comparison. Comparison that, okay, God speaks to him like this, so he's going to speak to me like that, and then I'm left out because he hasn't spoke to me like that. See, it looks, it looks like me, like Jesus inside of me looks like, like who he's made me to be, and that anointing, like Nate says it, the anointing looks like you. You know, Nate Everson said the anointing on you looks like you, like it's who he's made you to be. Um, last weekend I was in Manitoba speaking at a conference. Uh, it was called I Want More, and we had a resurgence prayer team. We have an incredible resurgence prayer team, and I just, I honor you, prayer team, and, and um, I, I put the word out. I said, hey, I'm speaking at this conference Thursday night. Would you pray? And, um, and so they, they prayed. Some words came. It was really great. I was, I was there in Manitoba going, God, what, what are you going to say? As I flew, in, I flew in, I was remembering a word that I had about Manitoba, about the dam breaking over Manitoba. And they, said, they even said, hey, could you speak on that? Because you confirmed a word that in 1996 at a prairie fire event, a, a prophet got up and said that the dam will break over Manitoba. And the intercessors have been praying for the dam to break over Manitoba since that time. And then when I was there four years ago, I didn't know any of that. I just said, hey, I think that the dam is breaking. And they're like, you don't know what you're saying. Like, this is crazy. And so when I came this time, they said, hey, would you speak into that? And so I was just praying. And as I was on the plane, the Lord said, um, there's beavers are building the dam and they need to shoot the beavers. <laughs> That's all I got. That's, that's, that's what I got. And, and so I started to unpack that a bit and unpack some of what, what that significance meant. And so I searched Winnipeg when I got there, gateway to the west. And I said, oh, now I know why I'm here. I feel like there's a, the call on my life, my identity, Travis. The word Travis means to traverse. It means gatekeeper. It means to bridge. That's what my name actually means, traverse, Travis. And... Um, and so I knew why I was there because I believe what's going to happen in Alberta, there's a gateway in Manitoba, and it's the gateway to the west. Everybody who came to Canada, they actually came through Manitoba on the train, and there's a gateway. And so I just knew I'm there to just declare this word and be a bridge and see the dam break open over Manitoba. And as I searched, I said, Beaver, Winnipeg. The first thing that came up, Freemasons, the Beaver Lodge, Winnipeg. 
Hmm, isn't that interesting? And, um, you know, just, just started to share that with the leadership. And they're like, okay, we're going to pray into this. And it was incredible. And that night I felt the share, uh, the message that I shared at Resurgence. I was going to share something else. And I felt the share Lion's Roar, that, that series I did in October. So I got up and I talked about the lion. And I got up at about 9 o'clock uh, p.m. in Manitoba time, which would have been 8 o'clock here. And then I got this message a few days later from Michaela on our prayer team, and, and she said, on November 17th at 8 p.m. in worship, she um, had this vision of me standing. She's in Edmonton. She's at a conference. Picture me standing with two angels behind me, and they were pointing swords down because they were taller than me, and behind them was a, a roaring lion facing the crowd. She had no idea I was speaking that message. She had no idea that on the screen is that picture of the lion. It says lions roar. No idea of that. And, and, then, and then she said this. I saw a lion at one end of Canada and roaring across it. And then she's at a, at a, a few others, I think, with her. We're at a, a session in Edmonton. And a speaker all of a sudden in worship said, I feel like the lion is being released right now and that we need to roar. I feel a roar has to be released like the lion of Judah. And they actually, like, released a roar. <laughs> In Edmonton, while I was on the stage speaking about the lion roaring. Like, that's incredible. But I want to say this. I was standing there, preaching. It was good. I felt God. I didn't see an angel. I didn't see a lion on the stage. I didn't see, oh, there it is. I didn't see, I didn't see anything else happening. I didn't. I was just being me. I was just doing what God called me to do. But... But so my encounter with him looks much different. But God uses it all together. We're in the kingdom together. And that's why we need each other. We need people that see and people that feel and people that hear. We need community to encounter the Lord together. Um, the next thing I want to share is, is there's a revival that happens uh, in, in um, it would be in some islands called the Hebrides Revival. And I've just actually read about this recently, and I was blown away, and I want to share this story, and, and I'm going somewhere tonight, so that's with all these stories, so bear with me. But um, the Hebrides revival happened, um, a guy named Duncan Campbell, and it says, um, he writes this, and this is in his writing, and God used him in it, and he says, I'm not sure, now I am sure that you'll be interested to know that in November 1949, the gracious movement began on the island of Lewis. Two old women, one of them 84 years of age and the other one 82 of the, stone, of the stone blind, were greatly burdened because of the appalling state of their own parish. It was true that not a single young person attended public worship. Not a single young man or young woman went to church. They spent their day perhaps reading or walking about, but, but the church was left out of the picture. And these two women were greatly concerned. They made it their matter of special prayer. A verse gripped them. I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. They were so burdened that both of them decided to spend so much time in prayer twice a week. On Tuesday, they got on their knees at 10 o'clock in the evening and remained on their knees till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Two old women in a very humble cottage. And one night, one of the sisters had a vision. Now remember, in revival, God works in wonderful ways. A vision came to one of them. And in the vision, she saw the church of her fathers crowded with young people. 
packed to the doors and a strange minister standing in the pulpit. And she was so impressed by the vision that she sent for the parish minister. And of course, he, knowing the two sisters, knowing that they were solid and two women who knew God in a wonderful way, he responded to their invitation and, the, and called at the cottage. That morning, one of the sisters said to the minister, you must do something about it. And I would suggest that you call your office bearers together and that you would spend with us at least two nights in prayer in the week. Tuesday and Friday, if you gather your elders together, you can meet in a barn in a farming community. You can meet in a barn as we pray and we'll pray there. We will pray. Well, that's what happened. The minister called his office bearers together and seven of them met in a barn to pray on Tuesday and on Friday. And the two old women got on their knees and prayed with them. Well, that continued for some weeks. I believe almost a month and a half. Until one night, now this is what I'm anxious for you to get a hold of. One night they were kneeling in the barn, pleading this promise. I will pour water on him that is thirsty, floods upon the dry ground. And when young, and a young man, a deacon in the church, got up and he read Psalm 24. Who shall ascend the hill of, the God, of God? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul or vanity or sworn deceitfully, he shall receive bless the blessing. Not a blessing, but the blessing of the Lord. And then the young man closed his Bible, and looking down at the minister and the other office bearers, he said, this may be crude words, but perhaps not so crude in our Gaelic language. He said, it seems to me to be so... Uh, me, me to be so that he lifted his hands and said, I'm telling you, just as a minister has told me, as he lifted his hands, God, here's my hands, is my heart pure? And he said, he said, be so much humbug to be praying as we're praying, to be waiting as we're waiting, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. So the young man fell to his knees and then fell into a trance. Now don't ask me to explain this because I can't, he says. He fell into a trance, is now lying on the floor of the barn. And the word of the words of the minister at that moment, he and his other office bearers were gripped by the conviction that God's sent revival must be either related to holiness and must ever be related to godliness. Are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? The man that God will trust with revival was of that conviction. When this happened in the barn, the power of God swept in the parish and the awareness of God gripped the community. Such hadn't been known for a hundred years. And an awareness of God's that's revival. That's revival. And on the following day, the looms were silent. Little work was done on the farms as men and women gave themselves to thinking on eternal things that gripped eternal realities. Now, I wasn't on the island when this happened, but again, one of the sisters sent for the minister and she said, I think you ought to invite a minister to come. And while the minister that week was going to be one of the great, was going to come, he was at one of the great conventions in Scotland. And at the convention, he met a young man who was a student in the college. And knowing this young man, who was a God-fearing man, he invited him to the island. Won't you come for 10 days for special meetings? But he felt that he wasn't supposed to come. And the minister said, no, I don't feel I'm the man. But he gave the man of someone else, Duncan Campbell. Now at the time, I was in college in Edinburgh. It wasn't very easy for me to leave, but I decided that I should go for 10 days. I was on the island within 10 days. I shall never forget the night I arrived at the piers in the mail steamer. 
I was standing in the presence of the minister whom I'd never seen and two of his elders that I never knew. The minister turned to me and said, I know, Mr. Campbell, you're very tired. You've been traveling all day by train to begin with and then by steamer. And I'm sure you're ready for your supper and ready for your bed, but I wonder if you prepared to address a meeting at the parish church at 9 o'clock tonight on your way home. It'll be a short meeting, and then we'll make for the, for the manse, and, and you can get your supper and your bed and rest until tomorrow evening. Well, it will interest you that I never got supper that night. We got to the church about quarter to nine to find 300 people gathered there. I would say about 300 people. I gave an address. Nothing really happened during the service. It was a good meeting. A sense of God, a consciousness of His Spirit moving, but nothing beyond that. So I pronounced the benediction. And as we were leaving the church, I would say at about quarter to 11, just as I'm walking down the aisle, along with this along with the young deacon who read Psalm in the barn, he suddenly stood in the aisle and looking up to heaven said, God, you can't fail us. God, you can't fail us. You promised to pour your water on thirsty and, and floods upon the dry ground. You can't fail us. Soon he was on his knees in the aisle and he is still, and he is still praying and then he falls into a trance again. Just then the door opened. Now it's 11 o'clock. The door of the church opens and the local blacksmith comes into the church and says, Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. Oh, we're praying that God would pour water on the thirsty and dry grounds. And listen, he's done it. He's done it. When I went to the door of the church, I saw a congregation of approximately 600 people. This is 11 at night. 600 people, where'd they come from? What has happened? I believe that very night God swept in Pentecost, power of the Holy Ghost. And what happened in the early days of the apostles was happening in this town. Over 100 young people were at a dance in the parish hall. And they weren't thinking of God or eternity. God was not on their thoughts. They were to have a good night when suddenly the power of God fell upon the dance. The music ceased and in a matter of minutes the hall was empty. They fled the hall as a man fleeing from a plague. They made it to the church. They're now standing outside. Oh yes, they saw the lights in the church. That was the house of God and they were going to go to it. And they went. Men and women had gone to it bed in their bed attire and they just made it to church. Nothing in the way. No publicity, no mention, no special effort, no promotions, none of it. But God took his hand in the situation. He became the publicity agent. A hunger and a thirst gripped the people. 600 of them now are at the church outside. The dear blacksmiths turned to me and said, I think we should sing a psalm. And they sang and sang and sang. Oh, what's singing? Now the church is crowded to over 800, is now packed to capacity. And it goes on, and he goes on a story that, that, that's just the police station, and, and God starts moving throughout the whole community. They say that in this community, in the Hebrides revival, 75% of the converts were converted not in a church building, but in the community in the town. Why? Because they had an encounter with the Lord. He says here, this is revival, dear people. This is a sovereign act of God. This is moving of God's spirit. I believe in answer to prevailing prayer of men and women who believe that God was a covenant-keeping God. See, there's something about hunger when we read this. And the story goes on and on. I could scroll forever on, on the dialogue of what happened. How, how these sisters prayed and God moved. And souls and souls and, and the whole community was transformed. 
It was one of the most fascinating moves of God in, in history. We read those stories, it, it just it stirs us. Duncan Campbell said, Revival is going of God among his people and the awareness of God laying hold of the community. He said, You met God on the meadow and on the moorland. You met him in the homes of people. God seemed to be everywhere. See, there isn't a Bible character um, that God used significantly that did not have a life-changing encounter with God. I mean, you can name uh, Moses, he stuttered. Ezekiel probably would have failed a psychological examination. Um, Peter would have flunked a group facilitation exercise. James and John, well, uh, they had unhealthy ambition. Uh, Thomas had doubt. Paul killed Christians, or Saul at the time. But in the end, none of, them, none of this seemed to matter because they all encountered Christ and become carriers of him. Pete Gregg says, if you lose God's presence, you lose everything. If you know his presence, you already have everything you'll ever need. Uh, in Scripture, there's a story of Obed-Edom. How many have heard of Obed-Edom? Yeah, quite a few. Wow. This is an obscure passage of Scripture, obscure guy in Scripture. There's not many mentions of it. And um, King David is trying to move the Ark to Jerusalem, um, the Ark of the Covenant, and he's trying to move it, and he's moving it on an ox, and he's moving it, and they, they got this procession, and what happens is they hit some rocky ground, and the, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, where God is, like the crazy, the Ark, where, where they would have a temple, and people would go in, and if they weren't right with God, they would die, like that Ark actually almost fell on the ground. Because they kind of, they did it in the not right way. And so this guy puts his hand out, Uzzah, U-Z-Z-A-H, to kind of like stop the ark from falling to the ground. And because he touched the ark, he instantly died. Boom. Dead. So King David hears of this. And he's just like, okay, we got to do something different. And it says in 1 Chronicles 13, Thus the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the family of Obed-Edom with all he had. So what they did is they're like, okay, we're moving the ark. We don't know what to do. We're not doing it right. This guy just got toasted. And so we don't want to get more people toasted. Um, and everyone's like, I don't want to die. And so they're all just, there's a fear of the Lord. There's a fear of what, what he could do. There's, there's a fear. And, 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 and so they, they go, okay, where are we going to put it? And for some reason, Obed-Edom's house gets chosen. I don't know. There's no talk of what his qualifications were. Um, but his house gets chosen. You imagine that request. Hey, Obed, mind if the Ark of the Covenant comes in your house? What? Like, you, you imagine, like, okay, the guy just died and everyone just heard this guy just died. Oh, yeah, we want to store this box in your house. Okay. Like, he must have had a big house, so they make a spare bedroom, put the box of the Lord with angel wings on the side of it, and then he tells his kids, like, don't touch the box or you'll be toasted. Like, you imagine, like, kids, like, they'll, like, they'll go touch a box. Like, you can't say no. So, like, imagine he probably had to, like, take them and go, look what happened to Uzzah, you know? <laughs> like, the fear of the Lord, really, in them. <laughs> And, and here's this big box with God's presence in it, in the spare room for three months. See, he had no idea what would happen to him. When he said yes to whatever, to take that box into his house, he's like, our whole family may die. 
Like, I don't know what's going to happen. This guy just died. Like, we don't know what the box, like, that's God. That's his presence. Man can't touch that. We're going to have this in our house. But there's a, he was caught between wonder and fear. There was a wonder, like, what would it be like to have the presence of God in my house? And the other sense of, oh, man, what am I bringing in my family? And you imagine the presence of God in his house. You imagine um, residing in your house, this box, the heavy glory. I mean, it would be worship and prayer and the revelation that would come. Like the room next to you is filled with the presence of God in this box. That the God's presence was very, like the tangible presence was there. The kabod, the shekinah, like it was there in his house. I mean, the songs, the, the revelation, the things that would just come by being so close to the presence. The Bible says the Lord blessed his family. And people, people would be coming, I'm sure, to see this box or go like by his house. And um, we're told that his business actually prospered. And it prospered so much that David, the king, became envious and said, okay, we need to get this to Jerusalem. It's time to get the box to where it's supposed to be. we got to get the Ark of the Covenant to where it's supposed to be. Because he was envious of the blessing that was happening in Obed-Edom's house. And so David moves the ark, and this time he does it right, and he dances in the streets in his loincloth, or a.k.a. tidy whities um, or ginch, whatever you want to call it, or gaunch, I don't know what you want to call it, but, but David dances undignified before the Lord. And, um, and, and you know, we don't hear of Obed-Edom, we don't hear what happened to him, and then a little while longer in Scripture, all of a sudden his name pops up again. And where, did it, where is it? He's in Jerusalem. Okay, you move to Jerusalem. And he's in Jerusalem where the ark is. And he's first, he's, at the, he's a temple porter. And then he becomes, then we see his name pop up again. He's a singer with the instruments. And then his name pops up later. He's a treasurer in the temple. So why would a successful businessman take such humble jobs, leave Take his family, move to Jerusalem to be where the ark is. Why wouldn't he just stay where he's at? And I think it is his love for the presence of God. I think he became so in love with the presence of God living in his home that he goes, I don't care. I don't care if I have to serve in the temple, if I have to clean the floors, if I have to be a porter, if I have to, I don't care what I need to do, but I want to be near that that box. I want to be near the presence of the Lord. I'm so in love with the presence of God. I've fallen in love. It was in my house for three months, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. For me and my house, we're, we're going after that presence. We want his presence around us. See, there's something that yearns to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The Bible says that his sons and his daughters and even his grandkids were there too. See, it impacted generations. See, our talk about God can sometimes be an exchange of information that do not lead to personal encounters or relationship. We process God here and not here. We don't want to just know about God, but to know God, to seek His face and His presence. Yeah. Daniel 11.32 says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. See, know in that context is to experience, is to encounter. It's not just head knowledge, information, but it's actually an experience. 
See, there's a lot of brilliant people in this room, intellectual people, people with degrees, people with, um, we're well studied in this room. And, um, but the personal dilemma is my head tries to figure out God. My, my, my dilemma, honestly, is that I try to figure out God. I try to put God into my box. I want to logically fit my encounter, my experience, my interaction with God and what I can understand in my human brain. I'm linear, but God isn't linear. He, he, he's outside linear logic. He's outside our own logic because his ways are, are, are bigger than ours, higher. And, um, you know, Moses took time to see the burning bush. Then later Moses said, God, I want to know your ways that I may know you. He didn't say, I just want to get to the promised land, God. He said, first I want to know your ways that I may know you. This is what Paul prayed. He says, I pray that God of our Lord Jesus Christ in Ephesians, he said, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. knowledge. The eyes of your understanding. Everyone say understanding. understanding. Be enlightened that you may know. Everybody say no. What is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of his glory for his inheritance and estates? That what is the, the um, exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? See, there's a point that you don't have him anymore. He has you. There's a point to where we don't have God anymore. He has us. That, that we don't have it all figured out, but he has us. That we don't, we don't okay, God, I want to know you. There's a point to where he has you. He has all of you. He has, he has everything. He has, you're trying to figure it out. He, he has, he's beyond that. He, he just comes in and resides. His presence just comes in. Catherine Kuhlman was an evangelist, and, and, and um, she, you know, she was known for, for things that, that she, would, she would wear these kind of frothy um, white robes, and, and God used her remarkably, and I was reading this book, and, and she says this, it says that hundreds have been healed just sitting in the audience without any demonstration whatsoever, none. Very often even not a sermon was preached. There had been times and not even a song had been sung. No loud demonstration, no loud calling on God as though he were deaf. No screaming, no shouting within a very quietness of his presence. There were hundreds of times and the presence of the Holy Spirit was so real that one would, could almost hear the rhythm as thousands of hearts beat as one one just love that and in this rapt silence a voice speaks i uh, believe ah uh, in miracles and suddenly the applause is deafening as thousand watch a tall slim figure emerge from the shadows in a white frothy gown she glides to center stage and another catherine coolman miracle service is underway in her international ministry, Miss Kuhlman laid a foundation for the workings of the Holy Spirit in the lives of countless thousands throughout the world. Her unique ministry shifted the focus of the body of Christ from the outward show of the supernatural gifts back to the giver of gifts, the Holy Spirit. She called herself an ordinary person. She was unique, and God used her. But Catherine Kuhlman was in a service one time, and she said, God, I, I want to know you. I want to know you not just words on a page, but I want to know 
you as an encounter. And she had an encounter with the Lord. And um, I've often tried to put into words what, what this is. And I was thinking of this this week, you know, just to be honest, um, what caused me to leave my career as an engineer? What, what caused um, a team of people eight years ago, as we heard Tara say, and Tara was there, and many others, Chris, and, and there's others in this room that were there, and, and we, we had the first resurgence, and, and many attended, and what, what caused a team of people to see a vision of dry bones and plan that resurgence eight years ago? I often, I often wonder that. Why would 200 to 300 people show up on Halloween in 2008 in a theater because some poster went up and said expect miracles by some people they've never heard about and no names they've never seen? Some word named resurgence, they didn't even know what resurgence stood for. I didn't even know what resurgence meant in the time that God gave us it. I'm like, what's resurgence? Like, look it up. It's like, okay, that fits. And why do people make the untold sacrifice financially? with their time, all these years? Why do we have a prayer team that prays on Tuesdays? Why do we have a worship team that gives countless hours? Why have we done four or five, five advances, I think? And, and I've been asking this week this question a lot. And, um, and I think it's the same reason. I, I, I just, in my heart, I go back to that time when I was sitting in that front seat of that camp. And I remember saying, and so moved by God, saying, I want to sit on this front seat. And I, I, I just trace it back to that. And I, and I go, God, what is it that calls us all to be a part of this? What calls it 116 people to show up, to pay money, to come to a camp in the middle of November when there's a lot of other things that be going on this weekend in Edmonton? Why do we do this? And um, I think it's... This, it's because once you have an encounter with him, you can't just ignore it. I, I think that's it. I think that's why I've done what I've done. I think that's why you've done your story, and each of you have an incredible story. Have you just said yes to God? That's why you're here. And I think I, I, for you, people have said, so what is it, the phenomenon? Why are, what, what is research? Like, why are people, why, why is there a lead team that's serving and all this stuff? And I think it's because there's, there's, a, there's a recognition that God, recognition, that's a good word, um, that God is just bigger and that we're part of something bigger. And um, see, once you encounter him, you can't go back to life as normal. It's like once you have color TV, you can't go back to black and white unless it's for Instagram and it's inkwell filter. <laughs> but that's only sometimes. Um, but see, it's that concept that we're just part of something bigger than us. See, God wants to use us and His presence is real. And, you know, for that, I'll give it all. My career, my life, everything, my idea of success, my desires. Some of you here, you don't even know why you're here this weekend. Some of you don't know why you even came here. You're like, I don't know, I just signed up. My friend was coming, so I'm here. I want to tell you it's not an accident that you're here this reason. What drew you wasn't just another friend, wasn't just, oh, I just go to that every year. It's because something deep inside of you is resonating that you're a part of something bigger than we can even understand. There's a vibration of the molecules that God's put inside of you that you might not even understand it or know it, and I don't even understand 
understand it after all these years, but there's something reverberating that we were made for something bigger than us. That God's called us, he's chosen each one of us to be a part of something way bigger. It's your DNA, it's your purpose, it's not a coincidence. For years, you know, this is a funny analogy, but you like it. Um, I used to drink Tim's Double Double. I used to like my Double Double. I used to drink Double Double every day. Tim Hortons is great. And then I got onto AeroPress coffee. And I, and I decided and I saw that stronger, more flavorful coffee is amazing. And I'm becoming addicted. So now, the other day, I went to Tim's. I got my Double Double. And it wasn't too double, double. It, was, it wasn't good. I couldn't drink it. I was like, I drank it, but I was like, oh, this tastes gross. I was drinking this all these years? Why? What, what is wrong with this? And I was with my friend. I'm like, is something wrong with your coffee? He's like, no, it's great. I'm like, oh, how come it took me so long? And I'm not a coffee snob at all, trust you. But my palate has changed. And maybe it was an acquired taste that I had to learn the taste of good coffee. But once you experience something, you can't go back. You can't go back and you can't go living without it. Pete Gregg says the point of prayer is not the power that it releases, but the person it reveals, the vision of Jesus. See, that's the vision of this. That's the vision of tonight. That's the vision of encounter. It's not about encounter for our own benefit. It's not encounter for our own goosebumps. It's not encounter for a cool story that we can go, oh, that was amazing, all that stuff. The point of encounter is Jesus, that we can be closer to Jesus, that we can know his presence more in an undeniable way. In Acts, the disciples did incredible things, but it was noted they had the ones they had been with Jesus. Those are the ones, Peter and John, they had been with Jesus in Acts 4. There was an encounter with the Lord. Changed everything. And um, his presence is in the room tonight. Jesus is here. And that's, I, I don't totally understand why we're all on this mission called resurgence. I, I don't totally get it. But I just know God's doing something. And I just want to be where he's doing something. <laughs> and the moment he leaves resurgence, I'm living with him. <laughs> I'm just following Jesus. That's our call. Let's just follow Jesus. Have an encounter with him. Heidi Baker, we, we, many of you might know this story, but Heidi Baker was a burnt out pastor in Mozambique, had two churches, and she was, had double pneumonia and blood poisoning. And she was burnt out, and she gets on a plane. The doctor said, you shouldn't get on the plane. They, they, she went against all protocol. She gets on a plane. She goes to a conference in, I think it was 1995 in Toronto. She gets to Toronto, and, and she just wants to be revived. She's tired of ministry. She knows that God's called her to the poor and the helpless, but she's just tired, and she's just done, and she's just, that's it. I've done all I can do, and she gets completely healed when she gets to Toronto, this conference, and the Lord said to her, there'll always be enough bread and drink because I prayed the price with my life. Don't be afraid. Only believe. She, she sat there in the presence of the Lord as God was moving in Toronto, the Toronto airport. Toronto airport is a, is a move of the Spirit of God that happened in Canada in 1994. It broke out. And uh, I remember my parents took me in 1995 to Toronto airport. 
We were on our way to Orlando to go to Disney World. I was probably 13. Um, and we're going to uh, Disney World. And my friend, who wasn't even a believer, he was there. And I just, for some reason, my mom goes, oh, you could stay in the hotel, but we're going to go. And I said, no, I think I want to go. And I remember being at the back, and my friend was a little freaked out. Um, it, it was different. I didn't see stuff like that before. Like, it stretched my mind. I was like, okay, these people are pretty excited about Jesus. And um, I stood in the back on a line, and they prayed for me. And I didn't feel a lot. I didn't, I didn't sense a lot. There was nothing that I, uh, I thought. But I, there was something impressed upon me. There was such a hunger in the place. People were dancing and worship, and there was just there was like there was just a hunger in the place. And Heidi Baker was at the same place. God touched her. She went back to Africa to Mozambique. Today she has a ministry with over ten thousand churches, from those two churches she had. She has five Bible colleges, three primary schools. They, the ministry owns planes, boats, land cruisers galore. I think someone said one hundred and fifty land cruisers so that they can go to all these unreached people groups and reach people for the gospel. She has water well rigs, water well rigs, where they go in and they drill for water and give people clean water. All because she had an encounter with the Lord. And I close with this last story, and, uh, and thank you for bearing with me tonight. Just lots of stories, but I, just, I believe that God's just going to Continue to just stir stuff. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And he's here. And Oral Roberts was a, an evangelist uh, in, in um, I'd say, the 50s and um, 60s. And he, uh, God, would, God would use him. And in his, in his ministry day, he would, um, his, his right hand, not left, his right, would get hot. And he would start to pray for people. And as he prayed, everyone he prayed for, he would just have to give it away as quick as he could. He'd have to give it away because everyone would be healed. Saw incredible healings. And he writes this in his book. He says, It's a merciful God who clouds the future and puts his hand over tomorrow. Had I been able to look down the road and see all the persecutions, criticism, false accusation, and hardships that I was to face, I might have never, kind, never have made this kind of decision. But God in his mercy let me see from day to day. I had reached the point of no return. I intended to have God's power, whatever the cost. The feelings of people, both good and bad, were already being shown toward me. They could not let me alone. I knew this by that I was on the verge of a great climax of my life. I made the decision to have it out with God. I went into my study in Enid Pentecostal Holiness Church where I was pastor. I locked the door and stood before God, talking to Him. I felt I was closer to Him than I was to any human being. For the past few weeks, I've actually spent more time in His presence than I had with my family. I said, Lord, I have made up my mind. I've reached a place in my thinking from which there is no return. This is it, Lord. I've been asking you for many months for your power. I've earnestly prayed to hear your voice, but you've not spoken to me. You told me 12 years ago I was to take your healing power to my generation. I cannot do that without your anointing. Today is the end of my searching for you. I'm going to find you. I will lie down on this floor before you and start praying, and I will never rise until you speak to me. Psychologists say that when a man makes up his mind, he never changes. Mine was made up. When I took God, 
When I told God I would not rise from the floor until he revealed himself, I meant every word of it. Moving the chairs back, I stretched out on the floor with my face down and began to pray. It was not prayer in which I told God what I thought he should do. Rather, it was a beseeching prayer in which I begged him to reveal himself to me. I prayed from the heart as I lay there. I felt a tiny a speck in his vast universe, and I was one man striving with the Almighty, yet I felt my soul being poured out before him. How long I was laying on the floor praying, I do not know. I never looked at a clock, for I was praying by my heart. Time became eternity, and I lost sight of where I was and who I was. And slowly the old Oral Roberts began to fade, and I felt myself being drawn by a restless power to another world. A strange power had controlled my mind, and I knew that I was praying, but could not distinguish all the words. Somewhere in the prayer, I lost contact with the physical and made contact with the spiritual. The last memory I have until later, when God spoke to me, was that I suddenly had the feeling that my struggling and striving was over, and that I was with God and He was with me. Had someone found me, he would have thought I was dead, for there was no moving in my physical body, only the wild beating of my heart. I felt something going out of me and something coming into me. Although it must have been several hours, it seemed only a moment. Then God spoke to me. He spoke in a military commander. He said, get on your feet. Slowly I stood up. I began facing the door and I started swaying but caught myself holding the wall. As I stood there swaying, he spoke, get up and get in your car. As I went down the aisle of the church, I was swaying so much I had to catch the ends of the pews on either side to keep myself from falling. I slipped in under the steering wheel of the car and sat there, and he said, drive one block and turn right. I closed the door, started the motor, drove one block. From this hour, you will heal the sick and cast out devils by my power, he said. It seemed as if 10,000 volts of electricity surged through my body and that a 1,000 pounds were lifted off my shoulders. My head cleared, my voice became vibrant, and my body trembled. I let out a sigh that I should always remember. I drove right straight to the parsonage that I lived at, leaped out of the car and said, Evelyn, cook me a meal. The Lord has spoken to me. <laughs> he was hungry. She knew God had revealed himself to me. She saw it in my face. She said, oh, Oral, has he spoken to you? I said, yes, honey, he's spoken to me. That a man receives, when a man receives a call from God, his battle has just begun. I began to make plans for my first mass healing service. I planned to have two or three healing nights. And a downtown auditorium was secured. And the services were planned for the following Sunday at 2 p.m. Once more, I began fasting and pleading. My prayers, at, as the week grew on, I became so desperate I made a terrible vow. As I look back upon the vow today, I shudder. I now understand why some of my friends acted so strangely when they heard of the vow. They were afraid for me. I would, not have, I would have been afraid too had I not reached to the point of no return. I put three fleeces. First, God, you'd have a thousand people present for the service. Second, when the offering was taken, people would contribute what was needed without any embarrassment or pulling. Third, that I would have God's power to heal the sick in such a manner that both people and I would know that God has called me to heal the sick. I told the Lord if he would not answer into those three fleeces, I would immediately launch forth into, if he would answer, I would launch forth into a healing ministry. If he did not, I would resign my church, return my ordination papers to the conference, stop being a Christian, and return to private life. I went so far in my thinking as I went to a downtown, spoke to the owner of the clothing store, asking him if he might have an opening in the near future. When he said he might, I determined if worse came to worse, I would get a job in his store to support my family. It was a desperate vow. 
I certainly do not recommend this such a vow to anybody else. It was a vow only for me, and it shows how far I committed myself. I meant every word of that vow, and I determined to live by it regardless of how things, which, things, which way things went. When Sunday came, many people in the church fasted and prayed. When the time came to go to the auditorium, I got in the car. Some of the men, we drove downtown. I was very calm, and the men noticed it. I was beyond the, behind the stage trembling, and I made the committal of my life and intended to abide by the decision with God. When we entered, the door opened, and the caretaker was there. And I, My first question was, man, how many people are in the building? And I looked into his face and knew I could soon know the answer to my fleece. And he says, 1,200 people are already seated in the building. There was no feeling of elation in my heart. I nodded, entered the auditorium. When I got to the platform, I looked over the crowd and realized they had come to hear me preach and to be healed of their afflictions. I'd been preaching for a maximum of 200 people in my church. Now in my own town where people knew me, six times were present. I felt strength coming into my soul. After the service got underway, an offering was received to pay for the rental in the auditorium, and the money that came in was 16303 That was $3.03 over what was needed to pay for the expenses. Fleece number two had been answered. Fleece, I began to preach. I had not preached more than 10 minutes until the anointing of God struck my mortal flesh. I began to tingle from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet with the presence of God. My brain became clear and sharp and the words start rolling out of my mouth like volumes of water. I heard myself saying things I've never dreamed were possible for any men to say. The spirit of prophecy came upon me and I began prophesying what God was going to do in the last days. He's going to raise up men and women with power. He's going to pour out the nine gifts and, and it goes on here. And he said, I titled my sermon, If You Need a Healing, Do These Things. The last half of the sermon, I began telling people how to turn their faith loose. Suddenly, I leapt off the high platform. When I did that, it seemed the audience was swept off its feet. As if a prearranged signal, they leaped up and stood facing me. About two or three hundred of them started to the right, started coming down the aisles toward me. I saw a glance. There was shouting and rejoicing all over the audience. Some were crying and weeping. I never, learned of, I never learned how that healing line formed. But there was such a long line of people coming to my left. I started laying hands one, on, one by one. I laid my hand upon an old German woman who had a stiff hand for 38 years. Suddenly she screamed at the top of her voice and shouted that she was healed. She raised up her hand and began to open and close it to show the people that... Those close by saw this miracle. A lot of people were healed. When it was all over, I stood there by myself. My clothes were wet. My hair was disheveled. My body was tired. Still, I felt as strong as a lion. There was a fire burning in my soul. My three fleeces had been answered. More than a thousand people had been present. More money had been in than asked for. And the people had given it freely. And both the people and I knew that God had called me. God had met me in my own town. I had started where it was the hardest. I felt the whole world was waiting for me. And if I could secure my release from the university and could help get the church a new pastor, I could go out with God's anointing and set the world on fire. Oral Roberts has a plaque before he died in his office that said, make no small plans here. And he had incredible faith. God used him. Just want us to close our eyes in this place, and um, his presence is here. His presence is here. Just begin to welcome him. Just, yeah, 
God, just thank you that you're here. God, we just thank you for your gentle whisper. We thank you, God, that you're just in this place. We just thank you. You're so good, God. You're so good, God. We can come and we can just meet with you this weekend. We can come and advance in you, God. We, God, we don't know. We don't know the rest of the story. We don't know where our lives, all that you've called us all to do. We don't know all those things. But, God, we know who knows, and it's you. God, so we just put our trust in you. God, I thank you that you're in this place. Your presence is here. We thank you that we can come and encounter you through your spirit, but also through the word. Hmm. We thank you for the stories of encounter, God. Of past things that you've done. Of great men and women who are just ordinary people, but you used them. God, the point of no return. You call us to that place. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just begin to just commune with the Lord. He's here. This isn't about any personality or any kind of hype or anything else other than just us meeting with God. That's it. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Just fix your gaze upon him. Yeah, he's just here. He's in the place. Speaking. satisfied with what we have of you we want more God we're not satisfied with just the name on a screen and the title of a weekend we're not satisfied with just the same old we're not satisfied with just the normal we're not God we're giving our lives to this thing to you whatever you have for us God we're not satisfied with just a little bit of you or just a goose bump here and there God we want the real thing we want all of you we are hungry for you 
God, the burning bush experience, the Jacob put his head on a rock, the, the moment that it changes everything. We want your fullness, God. We've tasted and seen a bit, but we want more. God, we're wrecked for you. We're wrecked for your glory. We're wrecked that we can't go back to life as usual because once we've tasted and seen that you are good, we just, there's more. There's more. We don't want what we've programmed in our mind a service should look like, we, what an altar call should look like, what, what this part of the service should look like, what, what this part of the advance looks like, what, what should happen right now and what we should feel or shouldn't feel or how we should do or not do. God, we just we want more. We just want more. Just begin to just, just, begin to just hunger after Him, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe this is new. Just begin to ask Him for more. Just begin to say, God, just yeah, I ask you for more. Whatever that language looks like for you. Just posture your heart in hunger right now. Just an atmosphere. Just a pull on the, the hem of His cloak to touch Him tonight. There's a faith in the room that you just touch Him. Start to pull on Him tonight. There's more. There's more. Deep inside of you, the molecules of your DNA are vibrating. I just sense that. It's like there's more. You were made for more. We were made for more. feel anything you may not but just start to posture yourself it's not about feeling or it's not about being tired just just push past that right now just start to hunger say God I'm hungry for you even though you might not feel that you're hungry start to just declare the word David panted like a deer for streams of water you know like just start to Better is one day in your house, oh God. Just by faith, just start to just, just declare your hunger right now. Just declare hunger. You may feel as far away from hunger. You may feel as full as possible, but just start to declare hunger right now. God, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. 